Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. A couple of years ago, actually it was in 2019, I had the opportunity to speak to Bailey Johnson on Main Street about starting to help us with video announcements, and she consented. Through that time, Yvonne and I have developed a relationship with her, gotten to know her very, very well. I've discovered that she is an inquisitive teenager. She wants to know what the Word of God not only says, but what it means. I don't have time this morning to open my phone and read you the many, 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 many text messages she sent me about, hey, Pastor, what does this mean? But through that, I've seen a heart for God, a desire to know and learn His Word, and even more of that, a desire to communicate His Word. We were actually supposed to be in Oklahoma today. Uh, we thought our grandson, Connor, was graduating, and our young, uh, another grandson had made the state track meet. But plans changed, so here we are. And I am delighted this morning to introduce you, Bailey Johnson, who's going to come and bring a Mother's Day message for you. Bailey, would you come, please? Come on, put your hands together. Make her feel welcomed at home right here. God bless you, Bailey. Thank you, guys. I'd like to say happy Mother's Day to all of you. Um, and I'd like to give a special shout out to all the motherly figures in my life. It goes much beyond just my grandmother and my mother, but it goes beyond to all of the church mothers here at All Nations and all of the aunts and aunts that have sewed into my life and have played that role for me and my mom and really just sewn into our life and amongst all of the um, circumstances and troubles that life brings. And um, Father, we just, we enter into prayer right now, Father God, and we come against all schemes of the enemy right now, Father God. We ask that your Holy Spirit will enter in and speak with each individual person, their heart, soul, and mind, Father. Will you give them strength? Will you give them encouragement? Will you edify them up? That's the purpose of our meeting, Jesus. We thank you so much, Father God, and we know that this is a sensitive day for some. Father God, so we ask that you speak. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. So, I know that for maybe some, you have had bad moms, or maybe she wasn't a good example, maybe she wasn't there at all. Maybe she put pressure on you that a mom shouldn't put pressure on someone. But I hope that I can encourage you, like my sister Eva did yesterday at the Mother's Day brunch, that our moms are daughters too. That we can learn to see them as human as they are, that they are daughters of the Most High King and they are struggling in this life too. So I pray that we can forgive our mothers, that we can connect with our mothers on a deeper bond, that we can understand that they are just as confused sometimes as we are, but that the Holy Spirit will give us peace that surpasses all understanding. I know maybe for some, um, you would love to have children, but there's no prospects, and you may feel forgotten or in a season of waiting, and I want to tell you that the Lord has a lot of work to do here on earth, and it is a gift to be here. The Lord wants to use you in this life. There is a vast harvest that he needs workers for. The workers are few. So women, or if you want to be a disciple person who's discipling people, but God hasn't sent them in yet, then you have work to do. So don't be, so, to be encouraged, don't be discouraged. Um, press in and hope in the Lord. Be active in your waiting. I know maybe for some, you lost your mom. I know some of you out here today long for that relationship with your mom who you missed dearly. And I just pray, Matthew 5, 4 over everyone, blessed are those who mourn for 
they shall be comforted. I pray that you guys will be comforted directly from the Father today and that your hearts will leave here knowing that it is well with our souls and that we are going to be strong in the midst of our pain and in our struggle. I know maybe for some, you've lost a child in or outside the womb and I pray you are surrounded with the Father's love and with the, the Father's compassion that he feels for this circumstance. And I pray you too can remember Matthew 5, 4, that you are comforted through that morning. Or maybe this day serves as a painful reminder of a choice you've made in the past to have an abortion. And I pray Isaiah 54 over you. God doesn't remember your past shame. He chooses to let it go and wants you to do the same. Holding on to shame creates fear of punishment, but you can release your fears to God and trust him to take care of you because he loves you and forgives you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you just go to every heart that, that was touched, and Father, that you will do a healing, you will do your work. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. All right, so for today, you are going to have to understand some important parallels in this sermon that I'm about to give you guys. And the parallel is that Jesus Christ discipled his disciples. Jesus Christ taught his disciples how to spread his good news and make more disciples. A mother's job is to disciple her kids when growing them up. Just like our job as believers, I don't have kids, but I can be the light and I can share God's glory to my friends. I can teach them how to share God's glory to their friends. And that is what we're called as believers. Even if we don't have children, we have people who are being influenced by us. So I want to encourage us, this message is not only for moms, although it is, happy Mother's Day, but this is also for us as believers, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ has a responsibility. We are all called in Acts 1.8, whenever Jesus went up into the clouds and was taken into heaven, he told us that we are to take his word and we are to spread it. It was his last commandment to us and it reads this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you guys don't know the context for that, those are the Jews, the Gentiles, and everywhere, all nations, which is the name of our church. This is our calling, guys. It's for every single believer who believes in Jesus Christ. Again, the Great Commission, as many know it, in Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we just thank you for that Holy Spirit, and we just enter, we allow it to enter this room right now with every single heart and every single mind. And when we're discipling, it can be kind of a task that we might, know, we, we might not know how to accomplish. And I'm very thankful that the pastors that we have at this church are very much reaching out and making more disciples kind of pastors. We recently had my sister in Christ, Camille, ask our pastor, what does it look like to make disciples? How do you make those? And so I'm going to share a very brief five-point run-through of our lesson that day. And to disciple people, you are to model to your disciples so they can learn to imitate you. Two, you are to explain why our actions run against the grain of what society says is acceptable and why we reject non-Christian values and standards so that new Christians and those who want to become disciples can understand what Jesus said and why our actions are important. Must, we must be willing to answer even the really hard questions and just let them know you may need to find out together, but be honest when you don't know. The third point in making disciples is you are to coach your disciples to succeed. 
You are to give them practice just as a coach gives their, they teach their students how to do something and they give them practice to go do it. And after that practice, you are to build up and encourage your disciples in their process. We need to find ways to make personal relationships with our disciples, spend time with them, encourage them and show them the blessing of fellowship with Christians. And lastly, we are to, as my sister Camille referred to it as, it's basically reproduction. We are to make more disciples. We need to teach our disciples how to disciple other people. So whether you are a mother discipling your kids, or whether you are a believer who has no prospects and in a season of waiting, you can still disciple others. And you can teach them how to disciple more people. So what is a mom? Who is she? What's, what makes her role important, right? So I looked up the Hebrew definition, and I will only give you guys a short anecdote. And it's one paragraph, and it says this. Basically, it says that a mother, a mother gives life. She is the author and finisher of life. Well, God gives her life, which then reproduces. All of us are children. We came. We were once in our mother's tummies. We were held there. And I want to I make a point about this, that her water gave us nutrients and carbohydrates that we wouldn't have survived with. And even after we were born, we were able to nurse from our mother and still get that living water to survive. And I want to ask you guys a question because life is such an important thing and oftentimes when we're, le when we're living our life, discipling other people, that takes a lot of courage. I don't want us to believe the lie of the enemy that we are only to worry about ourselves and our ticket to heaven. We have a passion and a concern for the nations. We have a compassion to reach out and to share the good news to everyone who is around us. So I want to make this point because when our mothers all of us are children of our mothers. We came and were birthed through our mothers. And except for Jesus, which hallelujah, Jesus, but um, all of us were carried for months. Maybe it wasn't nine, but it was for months. And your, our moms might have been sick. They had to carry our weight. They had to go through a painful process of being pregnant. And I want to make the point that Choosing the decision that means life isn't going to be easy, and it, it's going to be hard. And I want to encourage you guys today, when you leave this building, that it will be hard. Life is not rainbows and sunshine all the time. Life is definitely hard, but those hard moments actually make the beautiful moments even more beautiful. So I wanted to encourage you guys, just like Joshua 1.7 says, that we are to be strong and courageous, and we are to bring life. We can either bring life or we can bring death. So let's bring life, guys, just like our mothers brought us into this world. Amen. So what makes her role unlike any other is that she brought us into this world. She gave us life. So we just wish to honor you, moms, because you went through some suffering and some pain for us to get here. And you did it all for the glory of God. It's a beautiful representation of your love for your children, even if life is hard and even if you can't be technically the best mom out there, you have suffered for your children to be alive and you have given them a chance here on earth to find the Father. And that is enough. For whatever circumstance that you are in, that is enough. And we thank you so dearly. We thank you so dearly for that compassion in your hearts. So this brings me to my four questions that Holy Spirit dropped into my spirit about this day. How can a mother love their children through the rebellion? And for us believers who don't have kids, how can we love those who are trying to teach when they're in a season of rebellion? This is a 
heavy topic, but it's something that is really simplified with God's word. Mothers can use discipline to teach them right from wrong. Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever does not discipline his son hates him, but whoever loves him is, a diligent, is diligent to correct him. And Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. And I have a personal story to share with you guys, and this is how you know my mama loved me. So one evening in sixth grade, it was probably, it was definitely past 10 p.m. It's time for bed. I was on FaceTime on my phone that I just got in sixth grade, and I was sitting on my bathroom counter. My room's a Jack and Jill, so my mom comes into my room, and she's like, all right, darling, like, it's time to put your phone up. Let's go to bed. I had a loft bed. Okay, well, I'm on the phone with this new friend who I just met in sixth grade, and I'm like, mom, I'm not getting off this phone, and that was the wrong decision to make, but I did make it, and she saw my hesitantness to obey her and she already was like okay give me that phone it's not yours anymore and so I told her no and I walked up that ladder to my loft bed really cowardly seeing if it would slide and as you can probably assume she took me off that ladder she pinned me to the floor and she took that phone and she told me that I would never tell her no and blatantly disrespect her again <laughs> so I would like you guys to know that we had some very comfy carpet and she did let me share that story today. So love you mama and thank you for disciplining me and loving me through my, my chaos and my mess and my rebellion and my blindness. Um, and so I wanted to make a, a highlight and a concise um, picture here. So when pastor asked me an example of when my mom disciplined me, it took me a second, I had to think about it. And I finally thought of this one because it left a, last, a lasting impact on my life. I actually, when I was pinned to that ground, I fell on some new beats that I got for Christmas that year, and they broke. And they still work, they just are a little bent on the head, the headpiece, so you can't really wear them, but you can still listen to stuff, and I thought they were so cool. So I kept them, and they're still in my nightstand today. And they served as a reminder, though, of the poor decisions that I made that day. So I wanted to highlight a, another story, this one's from the Bible, when in Genesis 32, it describes when Jacob wrestled with God. And as you can see, when my mom pinned me to the floor and said, you will not do this, you will obey me, I had to look at my mom face to face. I wasn't going to fight back. I loved her. I knew her. And whenever I, was ha I had to face my consequence of disobeying her, not once, but twice, and I had to sit there and look at her face in the face and realize what I had done was very wrong and not good. It was not bringing life to that situation. I was a coward in that moment, not only in the sight of my mom, but in the sight of God, which I didn't realize that yet. I did not realize that what I was doing by conforming to this world was being a coward in real life. I didn't realize that that was what I was condoning. I was condoning a spirit of death, speaking out and disobeying a defiance with my mother who cares for me, who suffered for me and brought me into this world. So back to Genesis 32. If you guys would like to read more about it after today, I encourage you to. It starts in verses 22 and goes to the end of the chapter. But Jacob wrestles with God and at the end of it, his hip is dislocated and he has a lasting remembrance of the time that he had to fight with God and struggle and that was something that he couldn't forget so I wanted to bring up my headphones how I won't forget that I will remember that that is a lasting impact um, now it's not as severe as Jacob but I thought it was interesting because I had to face my mom face to face and I also looked up a paragraph 
from this. And it was basically saying that in the end, Jacob had to face his consequence. In the end, in the end, Jacob does what we all must do. In this weakness and fear, he faces God. Jacob was separated from all others and from his worldly possessions. And, what's, and that's when he grapples all night for what is truly important. It was an exhausting struggle that left him crippled. It was only after he wrestled with God and ceased his struggling re that he realized he could not go on without him. And then he received God's blessing. I want to read this verse from Proverbs 1, 31 through 33. And CG doesn't have it. But it says, Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed from their own complacency, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. I really like words, and complacency was one that I wasn't very confident that I knew, so I looked it up. And what it says is this. The definition is a feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. Similar words are smugness, like, I'm good, I got it, or self-satisfaction, self-approval, self-admiration, self-congratulation, self-regard, gloating, triumph, pride, satisfaction, contentment, carelessness, laxity, laxity, laziness. And when disciplining and correcting our children, we must remember that the golden rule still applies to us. In Mark 4, 24, the measure you give will be the measure you get back. It all comes down to the fact that the golden rule applies to everyone, including moms and children, as well as any other relationship. Moms and kids' relationship is not excluded from the golden rule. This golden rule applies to every relationship that we have with anyone, any one of our neighbors. Whether they believe in God, don't believe in God, they're our neighbor, and God loves them, even though they don't know that God loves them and that they would know that God was theirs. You don't say hurtful things that will... You don't say harmful things that will leave emotional scars. You don't lock them in dark rooms. You don't refuse to feed them. You don't leave marks on them when disciplining them. In Matthew 7, 12, it's reiterated to us, do unto others as you would have them do to you. The, the whole point of our discipline to our kids or to the people we're discipling, which I want to encourage discipline, you can't do that, but you can, you can give constructive criticism, and that is healthy. So you can definitely encourage them with that constructive criticism. Um, but the whole point of us doing constructive criticism, correction, discipline, whatever you would like to go about it, um, we are to see transformation. That's our goal. That's the point. And so if we are very harsh to them for locking them in dark rooms, if we are being hostile to them, that will only push the rebellion even further. So I want to encourage us to do it with love, do it with peace, do it with a sense that you do have the authority and they don't, and they're, they're misbehaving, but they need to learn that. So let it be done, but, you know, the golden rule still applies. <laughs> this brings me to my second question, Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. So... This one is, what are ways mothers can be the light and example to their kids while in rebellion or lost? We're not just there to be their role model, but we're also there to teach them, or well, we're not just there to discipline them, but we're there to be their role model. We are there to teach them by our example. In Psalms 119, verse 11, David says to keep God's word in their heart. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In Psalms 119, 15, it says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. 
In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, teach your children so that every word of God is hoarded in their hearts. Can we teach our children to hoard God's word in their hearts? Can we teach them to know Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, where it says, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Mothers, your children, and disciples who are now making disciples, the word will be the light in the darkness. The word will be clarity and peace. The word will be right direction, encouragement in times of discouragement, healing in times of sickness. I have a personal testimony about this one, guys. So I want to make the point that faith is often caught more than it's taught. When I was nine years old, I suffered a very tragic injury to my arm, and you guys can zoom in on it if you would like to give God glory. Um, so this scar came from an open fracture. I was a gymnast. I jumped to a high bar that wasn't tied down in Jacksonville, Florida, and my arm hyperextended when it broke my fall, and the bone was exposed. My ulnar nerve was damaged. My joint capsule, think of a balloon popping. That thing was gone. There's no rejuvenating of that. And there was a lot of damage that was done. My fingers were huge, there was blood, it was gross, it was really gross. And I thought, I was like Soul Surfer and they were gonna chop my arm off, but they didn't, so praise God. <laughs> and um, so fast forward a few, they'd done surgery now, I was in ICU, they put pins in. Fast forward, we're in the um, waiting room where my surgeon is going to talk to us and tell us how my arm is looking after the three weeks that I was in this with pins and a cast and everything. And he told my, my dad and my mom were sitting in front of me and I'm in a waiting room and he tells me at nine years old that my arm will never be straightened again. I'd be lucky if it got to 30 degree bend and my, um, my ulnar nerve damage was too severe and my joint capsule was gone and I'd be lucky that even with a year of occupational therapy to even get any m motion back from that 30 degree bend in two. So he basically was saying that I will never do gymnastics again and my gymnastics career was over and as my eight-year-old, nine-year-old self who just won like third at state, I was very devastated and you know, once I thought my arm was gonna chop it off and then it's kind of funny because I was upset and I was like, oh, I'll be okay, I'll be like Soul Surfer but then as soon as they told me gymnastics was gone, I was like, no, and I was crying and my dad took the surgeon outside and was like, why would you tell my nine-year-old that so bluntly and my mom was talking with, well, she, didn't, she wasn't talking, she was blankly staring at me. Well, really just into the abyss. And I was over here boohooing. And I asked her, I was like, mom, you're not sad. And she looked at me and she said this. She said, the doctor did his job and he did it well. Now it's time for God to do his job. And <laughs> praise God, praise God. In that moment, I was confused. I was confused because the surgeon obviously went to school for a long time, passed all the tests, did a really cool surgery, and he, you know, in my mind, knew what he was talking about. But faith is often caught more than it's taught. At my nine-year-old little brain, I couldn't understand, I could not understand what my mom was referring to or talking about. And so it's often caught more than it's taught. That moment put me in a place where I had to I wouldn't say test God because I needed to be grateful and thankful even if 
I was stuck with a 30 degree bent arm because God is the God who gives and takes away. God is the God who is, is great and triumphant even whenever Satan is evil and vindictive and tries to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am very thankful that I have been blessed. I didn't deserve it. I was a defiant little child and I didn't deserve it, but God did a miracle on me Within four months, I was back in the gym doing back walkovers. Um, within four months, I was already ready to do competition by the fall. I broke my arm on June 10th, and by like October, I was like, can I do competitive season? I don't want my friends to move up without me. And, and so I really wanted to do it, but it was just a little too early, so I had to learn how to wait and be patient. Um, but my arm was at a 10 degree bend and I was like, bro, I'm going to that competition, but it didn't happen, it's okay. And um, I had a lot of confidence though. And I remember one thing I told my mom in, in physical therapy, or not physical, occupational, because it was a nerve damage. Um, I told my mom in therapy, I said, if God can do this in a month, what can he do in a year? And that was a very big, that was a very big moment of faith. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the people in there in that occupational place, they were all older, they were all different ages. But I was this nine-year-old who was smiling from ear to ear and was like, bro, look at this arm that they said would not go past 30. This is crazy. And praise God. And um, so I just want to tell you guys that it's often caught more than it's taught. Five years later, I had, I unfortunately quit gymnastics, it's still my passion, love gymnastics, um, but I wanted to try all-star all, um, all cheerleading, and my coach and everything, it was just kind of time for a change. And so I tried some all-nation, or not all-nation, um, all-star cheerleading, and, um, and by that time I was stunting with girls, and I kind of had this like small little uncomfortability in my arms, so I was like, mom, maybe we should go get it checked out just to be careful, because I've never stunted before. And so we went to the doctor, the same one who did the surgery, and he did an x-ray. And this is five years later now. Um, I believe it was 2019. And he is like pointing at our x-ray and he's like, bro, that's, that arm, that arm is stronger than this arm. And if, if one arm's gonna break, it's gonna be that one because this one's super strong now. And so God is so good for that. Praise God. And then he's pointing at the x-rays and he's like, there's this, there's that, there's her joint capsule. And I was, my mom was like, what? Did you just say joint capsule? Those don't rejuvenate. And you said that that thing was gone, destroyed in the accident. And I'm just sitting there like, mom, mom, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Because I think like, you know, maybe, you know. And so she's telling me, no, this is like, this was gone. Like we can look at the old x-rays and we can look at the new ones and it's there. And it was just a praise God moment. It was definitely a praise God moment. And, um, so yeah, praise God. I hyperextend it now. I do everything now. And it is just glory, all glory be to God, the most high king who does heal, gives light in the darkness, can, can change every circumstance, knock down every single giant. He is our hope and our salvation. He is, to, is who the godly people in my life, the godly women and men in my life who have taught me to keep my eyes on God to keep my eyes on God, to put the blindfolds on and only see him in every circumstance, in every situation, that we will keep our eyes on God. And so this, mothers and people who are discipling other disciples, is why it is so important to do God's work, to spread his glory, to spread his good news, because things like this will continue to happen. This is something that he has promised to us. His glory, his glory, will come, and we are in an active waiting season. We will do his work. There, the work is vast, but the workers are few. So Father God, I just pray that everyone in this room will be encouraged by that today, Father God.
I want to give you a story from 2 Timothy chapter 1, 5 through 7. Paul really loved Timothy. Um, Timothy was a perfect example for a Mother's Day story because Paul commends Timothy and he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 5 through 7. I remember your sincere and unqu unqualified faith. The surrendering of your entire self to God and Christ who, com who with, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna restart. I remember your sincere and unqualified faith, the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power, wisdom and goodness of faith, which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am confident that it is in you as well. That is why I remind you to fan into the flames the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, the special endowment, which is in you through the laying of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm and well-balanced mind and self-control. Timothy's mama didn't just take him to church, but Timothy surrounded him with the word of God. And we can just be so put to peace by he has not given us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind with good judgment and self-control. We thank you for that, Father. So Timothy's mama, how she didn't, how she didn't just take him to church, but she surrounded him with the word of God. That is super important because it's our job to surround our kids, whether that's your kids or whether that's the people you're influencing, to surround them with the word of God. It's crucially important. So this brings me to my third question, Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. What responsibilities do mothers have in stewarding the blessing God gave them of their children? When we are the light, teaching them God's word, by word followed by action, then you are stewarding the blessing God has given you of your children. So when we instill the word of God into the people we're discipling, whether that be our children or just people we're discipling, we are doing our work that God has given to us. We are doing our job. We are stewarding that gift well whenever we're doing it with Holy Spirit, with his guidance and his word. This brings me to the fourth question that Holy Spirit dropped into my spirit. What are ways mothers can balance their time and relationship with God while being responsible for their children, work, household chores, etc.? It automatically causes you to balance the many pressures of life. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, I want to encourage you with this. The enemy can oftentimes try to tell you guys whether you're discipling others and you're insecure because you're comparing yourself to other people who are discipling others or whether you are a mom yourself and you're discipling your kids. The enemy can oftentimes make that comparison game pop up. And I want to remind us that it's really important to take our thoughts captive. We can't be deceived by the enemy. We can't. We can't let him win. We know his tactics, so let's beat him, okay? Let's send him down, all right? So in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, it says this. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. 
Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defense behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and in insist that, is, that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose to completely as soon as you choose complete obedience. I wanted to specifically reiterate verse five in NLT. It says, we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We are human and we are sinners and we fall short of the glory of God all the time. I wanna encourage us today to take captive of our thoughts and to fight back against the enemy, to send death to the grave and to let life be what's coming out of us can we take captive the lies that the enemy is trying to teach us? And can we fight back? Can we take captive those thoughts? Guys, I'm just a 17-year-old daughter, and it's Mother's Day, and I was asking God while I was driving down the road. I was like, God, what do you want me to tell moms? Because I'm not a mom. I'm trying to figure this thing out, too. Like, I don't know what's going on, but Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, and reminded me, um, back in 2020, Pastor and Miss Yvonne and all of the people who sewed into our youth, that was only about seven to 14, maybe, on like a good day. And they, they told us that if we would memorize verses, they would reward us. And I think that is a very good point. We should celebrate the things of God instead of celebrating the things of this world. So we were rewarded if we would memory, memorize Psalms 23, um, the Lord's Prayer, the Romans Road, and I'm sure there were some other ones. But specifically, the Lord's Prayer and Psalms 23 have stuck with me. Like, they have gotten me through some of the hardest times. And... I wanted to read Psalms 23 with you because the question is, how do we balance life, you know? So God gave me the answer of just verse one, where the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. So I will read to you Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He, gives, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I think being aware of how many things we decide to say yes to is a cr crucial piece of this puzzle. I think oftentimes we can get really caught up with where the world is going and in this hamster wheel of life. But when we take a second to pause and to worship our King of Kings, whether that's reading his word, whether that's just praying, whether that's um, worshiping him in the presence of believers or alone, or maybe it's getting up really early and your kids watching you seek the will of God every morning. Um, the Holy Spirit gave me Martha and Mary, a picture of them. And where Martha is like in this whole, 
um, cycle of just trying to get everything done, but Mary pours out her oil to Jesus. And I just think that, yes, our work here is important, but we also need to pour our oil out to Jesus. We need to worship him and give him praise because he is the one who gets us through this life. He is the only way we can balance life. He's the only way that he will reach our children, that he will be the one, because we can't force Holy Spirit down them. They have to find out who he is on their own. It's a gift from God, and we need to be in prayer over our children, whether it's our children or whether it's the people we're discipling. And um, so I pray that we can do that. I pray that we can seriously get into our prayer on this. And I, I wanted to speak some encouragement to moms more specifically. Um, I call it How to Mom from Titus 2, 3 through 5. Um, but I know before I read this that not all moms are married. So it's going to talk about honor your husbands. If you don't have a husband, then you know. But um, it's just, it's, it's life. So it's just the real authenticness of our lives. And it's true. So how to mom from Titus 2, 3 through 5. This is from NLT. It says, Simmer, sim, mm, similar, wait, similarly, teach the other women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. They, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Just as I was young and was bringing shame on the word of God as the 11-year-old who defied my mom, I'm very glad that both my mom and God are very just, but also loving. Yes, we must be corrected. Yes, um, you know, what we did isn't right, and we need to recognize that so that we can repent and go the other direction. But they also love us so much. In fact, Jesus loves us so much that he sent his son here to die for every mistake that we make every single day, probably tons that we make every single day. God sent his son who suffered longer than our mom suffered to give birth to us. And that's crazy because that's like some of the worst pain. But he died. He died for us. A long, painful, and gruesome death. And with that, he took, I'm going to use this paper as an example. We had a, a load of sin on us. And this is, this is us, okay? There was a load of sin on top of us. God knew this. We would have to, the Jews would have to sacrifice lambs to get, um, just to pay, like to be right with God to, for that forgiveness. But God saw that and he sent his son. And his son took our sin. He died and paid the price for our sin so that we would be open to him. We could have fellowship with him, eternal fellowship. And God now, because of Jesus, we can have fellowship. We can be one with God. Guys, I want to ask you, do you want to have fellowship with him? Do you really want to have fellowship with him? Do you want to accept the gift that Christ died and took our and paid our debt? Do you want to have fellowship with him? Eternal fellowship with him. The fellowship with God does not start once we die and go to heaven. 
but it starts, it can start right now. It probably has already been there because he's with us even when we don't know it. But that fellowship, that guidance, that love, that peace that surpasses all understanding, God gave his son and gifted us his son so that we could have that fellowship every step of our walk, that every step he would be the lamp to our feet and the guide to our path. This is the rest of eternity. And I wanna ask you guys, what is more important? Because this is our lives, not just here, not just the 80 year span or tomorrow's span or today's span, but this is eternity. And I wanna ask you guys, what could be more important to you than eternity, than your life? What lie has the enemy been whispering into your mind? What thought do we need to take captive right now actively, like it says in 2 Corinthians? In this place, this fellowship with believers, like-minded believers, we are to edify each other, to encourage each other. This is the safest place and the most encouraging place that you will be. And I am sorry if we have lacked in bearing the fruit that Christ has reminded us to bear but I wanna to speak to you and encourage you that this is a place where the holiest God has taken away our sins so he can be with us. We can intercede for Holy Spirit now. We have the gift. What could be more important than your life? Is it temporary satisfaction? Is it, is it living for this world and pleasing this world? This party has already been paid for. This ticket is free, and it's the most wonderful trip that you will ever go on. So dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you see, Father God, I know that you see, your word says that you see what's in our hearts. So Father God, right now, I just pray that every person under the sound of my voice, and every person honestly in your word, world all nations father i pray that they will they will take captive those thoughts that they can do and be the role that you've called them to be created them to be life is not an easy choice it's not an easy choice it's a hard one but it is the one that will bring everything we have nothing if we were dead Jesus, today we thank you for life. We thank you for the mothers who brought us life here on earth. And Father, we thank you for you and your son who gave us eternal life with you. Jesus, if there are moms in this room, if they are covered in shame for whatever reason, Father God, I pray that you will do a work in their heart that you will perform a surgery that will be so profoundly different, that will encourage them and give them the most light on the darkest days, Father. That you will give them a passion to know you and to do life with you. For eternity, for eternity, thank you, Jesus. I know there is a mom in this room needs to turn to the Father and be comforted by Him. I would encourage you moms, 
There are moms in this room who need to, to take time and pour their oil on Jesus to find his guidance. So moms, if you would like to come to pour your oil on Jesus, to take a moment to reflect, to ask God for peace that surpasses all understanding, for guidance that gives the most light in the darkest valleys, then moms, I encourage you to come to the altar now. I encourage you to stand, to choose life, which isn't easy, to make one step after the other and to pour your oil on Jesus. And if there are people in this room who know or realize now that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, maybe they're interested with this eternity fellowship with the King of Kings, with the creator of all creation, with the light and the darkness, with eternal life. Then Father God, I pray that they would choose you today. But I know there are people out there who haven't chosen you, who haven't given themselves to you for eternal life and fellowship with you. So Jesus, right now I ask that they will stand. I know they're in this room. Father, I ask that you will do a surgery on their heart as well, that you will fix their vision, Jesus, that they will see life in colors rather than life with death. Jesus, I pray that you will do a work in them. If you are in this room, I know you are in this room. Rise and come, pour your oil on Jesus. Ask him to become your eternal savior. Ask him that if you can, well, you don't have to ask him. You can just say, God, I, I accept your gift. I accept your gift. And we can come pour our oil out on Jesus. And lastly, if you're a, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, and you didn't realize how heavy and weighty the Great Commission really was, how important it really was. For how could they know to love a father they've never heard of? Then, Father, I pray that every believer that is in this room would rise, Father God, that they would take a stand confidently, boldly, with courageous, Father God, just like Joshua 1.7, that they would rise and they would come to the altar to pour their oil on you and to declare that they want to grow in making more disciples. Father, they will ask you to teach them how to do it, to give them light and be the guide to their footpath everywhere they are. I believe, Father God, that every place that we enter, we have purpose in being there. Our life here is a gift, Jesus, and I thank you. I pray that you encourage my brothers and sisters, my friends and family, to rise and to find you, to seek you in every second of every day, Father God. So believers, if you would like to plead and ask God to strengthen you, to encourage you, to give you strength, come to the altar and pour your oil on Jesus. Have fellowship with him. Spend time with him. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee. 
a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.